This is Becoming a Podcast for Teens and Young Adults. Keep it classy with Devin Wellington. Hi there, and welcome to Becoming a Podcast for Teens and Young Adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. We are always focused on the teen in every episode, and we want to make sure we do the same with any resource we share with you. Better Screen Time is a company that is focused on helping families teach children and teens how to use screen time, devices, and tech in a healthy and responsible way. They give parents tools to help involve their family in creating a tech-healthy family. Visit betterscreentime.com to learn more. We are so excited to have you here with us today, and today we are talking about a subject that might seem like it might not be your favorite, but just hang on, because it's actually going to be really fun to talk about. So we're talking all about manners, respect, proper social interactions, and how these principles will give you lots of tools for maybe finding jobs, making friends, and basically just showing kindness to others around you. So we found somebody who was teaching all of these principles, and we had to reach out to her. So actually, you might not know this, but you've been on like my dream list for like nine months. We've been so excited uh-huh. to actually interview you. Devin Wellington, welcome to Becoming. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing too. And I think this is um, a really, like you said, might not be the most, when people think about etiquette, it might not seem so exciting, but like you said, there's so much application and all these things that I wish I would have known when I was a teenager. So hopefully your audience will find it useful. So tell us a little bit about what you do because it's pretty new to us. We, we, this isn't really something that's common in our area, but tell us about what you do. So we, we run a cotillion program is what it's called is cotillion. And I didn't learn about it until I met my husband. It's very prominent on the East coast and in the South. It's really popular. It's a sort of part of the culture in a lot of places. And I grew up on the West coast. And so I didn't even know about it until I met my husband, whose family has been doing this for his mom ran it for 23 years before we bought it. So it's been in their family forever. And mm-hmm. what we do is we basically teach etiquette and social dance to 6th through 12th graders. So they come to a class um, once a month and we talk through different stages. We, we sort of build upon foundational skills in each new course and teach them about properly interacting on a social level. Um, sort of these, what we call emotional IQ skills. We're learning and we hear, you know, you'll see articles from Google or whoever about they're no longer just looking at, you know, where you went to college or scores or on tests and things like that. They're also really looking for people who are going to be socially capable. And so those are the things that we really sort of stress. 
I just think that's amazing that you're kind of making this more spread than just your little niche in your community. So we found you on Instagram and have heard you on interviewed in other podcasts and we love what you're doing. And what we want to talk about today is a lot about this proper etiquette. And even that phrase is really foreign to us. When I think of etiquette, I instantly go to just dinner manners. Or like Downton Abbey. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would love you to kind of explain more. What does etiquette really even mean? Yeah. So I think like you say, it's, it seems like this thing that's sort of out of touch sometimes, sort of antiquated. We think back to like, I don't know, when I first heard about it, I thought back to, you know, like Emily Poster uh, sort of conjured up this idea of the 1800s and little women and, you know, And so really etiquette is a way for us to figure out social norms in a way that allows us to be successful in society and, and social norms change as, as society changes. And so those etiquette rules change. And sometimes they do feel a little bit like they're um, lagging behind, but if you really know how to actually apply etiquette, it's always relevant. And so it's just a way of us to formalize what's socially acceptable so that you know how to interact with other people. Really, our goal with our students is to teach respect, respect for yourself and respect for others. We always say that good manners are a byproduct of good character. So if you are a good person, you're striving to have good character, then good manners will sort of be a natural consequence of that. Mm. We always tell our kids, you know, if you're sitting at a dinner table with someone and you're using the right fork, but you are being unkind or saying unkind things or not respecting the people around you, you have bad manners. It's not about checking something off of a list right? The list of, of what to do is supposed to be a way to give you tools to show that respect, but the respect has to be there in the first place. I always say that manners are for everyone. I think they are widely applicable for all people. It's not just about the kids who go to Cotillion or the kids uh, who grow up in a certain class. It's for everyone. It can benefit everyone. And I think especially people who may not have access to other opportunities, it's especially important for them because it allows you to walk into the room and, and leverage Uh, your personality and who you are and your experiences in a way that can be really beneficial. Yeah, that's why I love that we can learn from your Instagram and come alongside you because you are out in Virginia. Yeah, we're right outside Washington, D.C. Yeah, so we can't really physically be there, but I love that you teach these principles online. And so now that you've kind of explained more about what etiquette really is, why should teens care about this? Why is this important? Why do they need to use manners? That's a great question. And I think knowing the mechanics of how to use the manners actually is really beneficial to teens, like I was saying, because it allows them to communicate ideas. So instead of being focused on what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to shake someone's hand? How do I introduce someone? Or or being in an awkward situation, how do I handle this? Instead of worrying about that, they can go in with a game plan of how they should act. And then they can really focus on the important thing, I think, which is what they're going to say. Really communicating your ideas is super important. And we communicate most of our ideas with our body language, right? They say up to 90% is communicated via body language and tone and how you're saying something. But if you have that under control, then you can really free up some brain space to focus on what you're saying. So we teach our kids, for example, the first night they come in, we teach them how to sit. And they're like, I've been sitting forever and I know how to do that already. And and that's true, right? But how you sit can change the way someone perceives you. So if you walk into an interview and you slouch in your chair, you're communicating that you don't really care to be there. Hmm. Right? If you walk into an interview and you're sitting up straight and you're not fiddling and you can look someone in the eye and smile and make that good first impression, then that allows you to then focus on what you're saying because you're not worried about how are they perceiving how I'm sitting. Oh, right? that's 
crazy. Like I would never have thought that's like one of the first things because you would, you're totally right. You're just thinking, oh, I already know how to sit, but it's, Mm -hmm. it is so much about the body language and what you're giving off. And that, that perception is reality for other people. You are giving a message, even though you're thinking that you're thinking about nothing. Right. So when our, our kids come into our class the first night, the first thing that they do is they introduce themselves, right? And we talk them through, we say, this is how you do it. And then they come in and they practice it with us. What we often see is kids who are shy come in and they'll sort of mumble and they talk quietly and you have to ask them to repeat themselves. And, and I know it's because they're shy, but the impression that it gives off is I don't care to be here. I don't care to be talking to you. Knowing how to sort of overcome those innate fears that we have is really important. I actually went to graduate school with a kid who um, had gone through cotillion, but he didn't really remember everything. But he said, you know what? I remembered how to do an introduction. And that was enough for me to try for things. That was enough for me to come to a grad school interview because just knowing I could get through the door empowered me to try. Mm. And that to me is incredible. Like that's what it's all about. We actually covered this a little bit in a previous episode about making friends, but I'd love to hear what some of those rules that can help you with a proper introduction are. Yeah, of course. So to do a proper introduction, what you're going to do is you're going to, first of all, make good eye contact and smile, right? Again, these are things that seem so simple, but when you put them all together, it's really impressive. So make good eye contact, you smile, you walk up, you have a, you know, standing up straight, you're not slouching, you're not talking into the ground. You stick out your hand and you do a nice firm handshake. We'd say no dead fish handshake. Mm-hmm. Um, you also don't need to like squeeze the life out of someone's hand to show them how strong you are. Like just a nice firm handshake. And you just say, hi, my name is Devin Wellington or whatever your name is. Obviously, hi, my name is, I don't believe we've met. That's it. So simple, but just knowing how to do that, it can change everything. Going into a room for the first time with new people. I think we've all been in that situation where you know you should introduce yourself, but you don't quite know how to do it. And then it's just awkward because you're standing there next to each other, kind of talking, but not really acknowledging. Like, it's just so awkward. And so just getting that out of the way really allows you to open up to a real meaningful conversation. I think that is fantastic. And I like the idea of practicing this because, Mm -hmm. like you said, it will free up that brain space so you can actually connect and have a real conversation. But if you're sitting there just flustered, not knowing what to say, like, this is awkward. I should introduce myself. I don't know what to do. Just focus on this. You know the steps, you do it, and then you get to proceed with creating a connection and working on focusing on your thoughts. Absolutely. I will say too that because first impressions, so first impressions are so, so important and research is continually backing this up. There's different numbers on it, but I can say pretty comfortably that, you know, within a minute, people decide whether or not they want to have a long-term relationship with you. So the Mm -hmm. first impression is like 10 seconds. And then a minute is like, do I want to know them potentially more than this in a job interview, in dating and making new friends? Like that's really, really significant as people sort of make that judgment call within that first minute, which is really quick. I actually, when I met my husband, he walked right up to me. He said, hi, I'm David Wellington. Nice to meet you. And he like had such good posture. (laughs) He was so confident. I had just moved to DC where it's like all about politics. And I literally was like, is he running for office? Like, does he want my vote? Because like, he was just so confident that I like, yes, I was like, he has to be a public figure or something. But he just, he just knew what he was doing. Wow. Just a confident man. I love (laughs) it. And that is like, uh, I think some people maybe sometimes think, oh, that's maybe a little too formal, but Mm -hmm. you really are not being too formal when you introduce yourself. It's not too formal. Don't feel weird. 
because it's way more awkward when you wait five minutes and then you're like, uh, uh what was your name? Uh, yeah, by the yeah. way, uh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Or, um, and I think the other thing too, that can be really powerful is introducing a friend, right? So in bringing someone new into a group that already exists or sort of um, going someplace new with a friend, the same principles apply. Hi, my name is, if you already know them, um, you might be able to say, you know, oh, hey, I'd like to introduce so-and-so. And that's it, right? But uh, so often that doesn't happen and the person is just left standing there. Like you said, these really simple principles can make a really big difference. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's such a good way of just showing your kindness. So another principle that we love of yours is the thank you plus one. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. So thank you plus one means whenever you are leaving an event or a party or someone's house, you say thank you plus one. So thank you. And then something else that's specific and really directed to them and their efforts. So if you're leaving a friend's house, you could say to them or to their parents, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed dinner. That soup was delicious. Or thanks so much for letting me into your home. I really liked your game room. Or maybe you're leaving an interview with someone you know, thank you so much for having me. I know it took a lot of time out of your day. I really appreciate you talking to me. It's not just a like, all right, thanks. See ya. It's thank yeah. you. And then plus something a little extra. Why is that so impressive to me? I love this concept. <laughs> I'm really big on gratitude. And mm-hmm. if someone went the extra mile to come up with the one special thing that stuck out to them, that would really be impressive to me. Yeah, I'm really speaking to gratitude, like remembering that, okay, when I'm leaving here, I'm gonna have to say thank you plus one, I think allows you to be more present in the moment because you're trying to think about something that you can later talk about or, or use to show your gratitude. So I think it, there's a lot of applications in this that allow you to be more present and to think about what you're grateful for. To be able to express that to someone is, I think, really important. And it also makes it like, I know I, have, I had friends growing up that my parents didn't really like it when they came over right? Because they, they weren't respectful. They didn't, they didn't think about what they were doing or, you know, the time it might have took my parents to have them over. So showing that gratitude to a family that you spent time with, especially, I think, goes a long way in ensuring that they're happy to have you in their home. So beyond that, some other principles we talk about, you know, beyond making a good introduction and thank you plus one, other things that we cover in our classes are networking skills. We start this really simply and young with our, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And then in high school, we really drill down into networking. And active listening, which I think is super important, especially as you're getting older, especially as you're dating. I will tell you that when I was dating, I used to have, and this is not because I'm special, but because I knew how to listen actively, which is nodding your head, showing that you're paying attention, asking relevant questions, that guys would say to me, like, I really feel like we have a connection. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't necessarily feel that way, but... um, it was just because I was listening. I think that's so novel sometimes to people to have someone actively listening to their conversation that they felt like, like we've really hit it off. And I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I was happy to have them feel, feel heard. Yeah, because yeah. you were engaging. Exactly. I think especially now with the prevalence of social media and cell phones and having people sort of consumed by their devices, I think looking someone in the eye and just listening is, is really powerful. We also, of course, we tackle table manners and then we discuss how to change a topic, you know, which I think is one of those tools that is a little bit more difficult when someone is bringing up an awkward conversation or you just want to change a topic. Um, so we, we cover like concrete details about how to do that. Do you think you could briefly, I know you just said that's a pretty in-depth discussion, but do you think you could give us a couple of little tips to handle changing a conversation? Yeah, of course. So like you said, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can do this, but I'll give you some of my favorites. The first one is to acknowledge what they said and then sort of redirect 
the conversation. So, you know, someone might bring up a topic about politics or something that you, you're not as comfortable talking about. And you could just say to someone, you know, I appreciate that you shared your opinion on that issue, but why don't we just veer off that topic? And why don't you tell me about X, Y, or Z? So you can be okay. really direct and say, you know, I don't really love that, that topic right now. Let's change that. And then you can just sort of ask them a different question. Um, or sometimes someone will ask you a difficult question, like about a breakup or um, something, you know, maybe something happened in your family that you don't really want to discuss. And you can be upfront and say, you know, yeah, I was disappointed, but it's, it's gotten me out of my comfort zone. And I went and I learned how to, to do the tango. Have you ever done that? Mm. And so you sort of take that to say, yeah, that was difficult. Here's how I handled it. And then you get totally away from you it. You get to choose the next direction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you change the narrative about that. So that is, um, like I said, it's called acknowledge then redirect. So it's not like you're just totally ignoring what they said, but you are very quickly taking control of the conversation and changing it. One other tip I think that is helpful when you're talking to someone and you want to change the topic is to compliment them on their knowledge and then sort of um, use that compliment to change the subject. So for example, maybe someone brings up a topic and you disagree with their viewpoint on it. You could say something instead of saying you are wrong and I don't like that, right? You never attack the person. What you say is that's an interesting idea. You talk about the concept and not the person, right? Mm. That's an interesting idea. It sounds like you've done a lot of research on it. Tell me more about your background, right? Oh, cool. So you're acknowledging that they have this, these feelings and these thoughts about this thing, and then you compliment them on it so they feel heard and validated. And then you say, tell me more about you and your background. And that sort of helps to get them off that specific point. Good one. Um, so can we talk a little bit about like gossiping yes. and if someone's starting to talk unkind about someone, like how I hate that and you just don't yeah. know what to say. Do you have any tips for that? There's several different approaches you can take with that. I think gossiping especially is one you have to be really prepared to handle because it is going to come up. There's a couple different, you could be direct. If you feel like you've tried to be indirect and try to change the subject and they're still not getting off of it, you could say, I'm really not comfortable talking about that person. Let's change the subject. Tell me about what you did yesterday or tell me about that team that you just joined or tell me about something. Um, I think it's always great to be prepared with other topics to change too. So, you know, the local team that just did the big game or um, your favorite restaurant or the popular TV show or whatever it is. So you can be direct if, if all the other things fail. I think it's also appropriate at that point to sort of excuse yourself from the conversation, right? You can always remove yourself. But I think one of the easiest ones is acknowledge them, redirect, you know, oh, hey, you know, I appreciate your, your opinion on that. Let's, let's change the topic. Um, I also think a really useful one in this situation is using a word or a phrase that they say to segue into something else, right? So maybe they're talking about, uh, did you see so-and-so's Instagram story? Da-da-da-da-da. They're, like, they're gossiping about something. Hey, you know what? Yeah, speaking of Instagram stories, have you heard about the new feature that Instagram just launched, mm. right? Like, so you just take it in a completely different direction. But if that doesn't work, I think it's totally appropriate to be direct. A lot of what we teach about etiquette is this idea of kindness should prevail. And so it does take courage sometimes to have these manners to be kind. And, and like we talked about earlier, it's about character. And so when all else fails and you are unable to redirect subtly, I think it's, I think it's appropriate to kindly be direct. Mm -hmm. So we talk actually quite a bit about this of like, 
having a plan um, mm-hmm. of what you're going to choose and do. And this can apply to lots of different things. It can apply to these social situations. It can apply to peer pressure type situations. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea. And we, we talk about it and we call it thresholds. You know, you're going to do it because you know it's right. And it does take some courage, though. You, you may know that it's right, but you have to be brave and have that threshold to be able to not worry about what everyone else is doing. And I, I kind of love the idea of applying that to manners and to etiquette. I think that's really cool. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It really does take courage to sort of, I think sometimes there's, there's the risk that if I speak up or I try to defend someone or I try to change this topic, that then I'm going to be the subject of gossip. Yes. Right. There's I think always that's that a lot of fear. Yeah. I think teens have that fear. Absolutely. And part of having this courage in terms of kindness, in terms of manners, is learning to be okay with that, right? Knowing that I might get some beef for this, but at least like my side of the street is clean and I've done the best that I can. We tell our kids this all the time that manners take courage. One tangible example of that is um, I have a friend whose husband I have never even met. They've been like, she lives on the other side of the country. I haven't seen her in forever. And I was asking a friend about, you know, well, what's he like? And, and do you, do we like him? Like, uh, how do we feel about him? And she said, yeah, we love him because guess what? When she went to the bathroom at dinner, he stood up for her. And when she came back, he stood up again. Aww. And like that, every, every girl was like, that's all we need to know about him. You wow. know, like, <laughs> like that tells us everything we need to know. And we tell this to our cotillion kids and we get a lot of the guys, you know, like giving a side eye or like rolling their eyes. And, and I tell them, listen, when you're at homecoming one day and you're the one that stands for your date, when she goes to the bathroom, what's going to happen? She's going to go to the bathroom with all the girls because girls go to the bathroom together. And when they're in the bathroom, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, did you see what he just did? That was so cool. Such a baller James Bond move. To do. Yes. <laughs> right? His, his buddies might be like, dude, what was that? But all the girls at that table are going to be like super into it. Wow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's going to be so impressive because it just shows that sign of respect. So actually, my husband got a job from his good manners. So he was invited to attend a fundraising gala for an organization that helped military families. And his friend worked for this organization that was being, you know, the fundraiser was for them. And there's a lot of commanders of the military branches. And he was seated at the table with the CEO of this company and all of these military people. And it, it was just sort of how it, things shook out. And when she would leave the table to go talk to her staff or talk to someone, he would stand. And he said that throughout the evening, he would stand. And then he sort of noticed that the other men at the table also kind of started to be like, oh, what? Like, I guess I should be doing that too. And so they started rising also, even though they were like, 30 plus years older than him. He said that he was terrified to do that because he didn't know how it would be perceived by them. These are people with a lot of power. And he knew though that this is how I can show respect. And so he had his good table manners. He made the introductions, you know, the right way confidently. And then he stood for the CEO as she came and went from the table. And he went in for an interview the following week and sat down with her. And she said, what are you doing here? And he was like, well, uh, HR called me and they told me that we have an interview today. And I think I'm supposed to be interviewing for a position here. And she was like, I saw everything I need to. I read over your resumes. I think you technically you're qualified, but I saw how you handled yourself in a really high pressure situation. And that's all I need to see. Wow. And he got the job on the spot just because he had the courage to have good manners. That's amazing. I love that story. It totally jumpstarted his career. Yeah, it was incredible. 
I feel like respect to me is one of the most important values that you can show other people and just showing that that's kind of who you are. And I think respect and kindness kind of go hand in hand with each other. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Kindness is the highest example of manners. The highest form of manners is being kind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, including someone else, even if you get the introduction wrong, even if you think I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to invite them in. I'm going to say, everyone, please meet my friend so-and-so. Maybe you screw that all up and it it doesn't happen the way you think it will. Just doing the introduction is better than nothing, right? Because like you said, it shows that respect. It shows that you've thought of someone else and bringing them into the conversation is the kindest thing you can do in that scenario. You know, inviting someone who doesn't normally get an invitation is the best form of manners. And we talk about in our program, you know, maybe not posting an unflattering picture of someone, even if you look really good in it, (laughs) right? That's hard because you're like, you want to, you know, put your own best foot forward, but maybe someone else doesn't look great in it. It would be really kind not to post that picture so true. Or, the, or to get the go ahead from them at first before you do that. Yeah. Right? Like we talked about not gossiping, not posting a mean comment. We really focus on being the same person you are publicly and privately. And that includes being online too. So um, showing that kindness online, we believe is, is especially important, not participating in any sort of online bullying or even things that seem sort of harmless to you might be a big deal to someone else. And so I by no means am perfect at any of this. I find myself constantly trying to revise how I've acted in the situation, thinking about how would I handle that next time? And in my life, I found that the times I really regret my actions are times when I wasn't as inclusive as I could have been. And maybe it's not because I'm trying to be mean intentionally, even just sort of thoughtless. Taking the time to think about someone else is, I think, the best form of manners that you can show. Oh, yes. I feel like you are speaking my language. <laughs> I, love, I love this topic. I love just being really authentic to who you are and deciding beforehand, I'm the kind of person that does this. If you're choosing, like, I am a kind person. I avoid gossiping. If you choose this beforehand, and then when you're presented in this situation, you'll know what to choose. You'll know how to act because you already decided that's who you are. And I think the more you practice this, the more you really start gaining this confidence within yourself because you have a strong sense of self. You know who you are. And when you continue to do these things, you become comfortable with that and more courageous. And it just, you don't even have to think about it anymore. It's just who you are. Absolutely. And that goes into sort of um, the good manners are a byproduct of good character, right? So when you take these small steps to be a little bit more inclusive or to think about someone else, think about inviting them, introducing them into a group, you are building those sort of blocks to your character. It's a little bit easier every time and your character is a little bit stronger every time. And I think that shows when you go into a high stakes situation, like a big interview or when you're meeting someone who's, you know, potentially important in, in your life or in relationships, you already sort of have that foundation that can make a really big difference because I think that really shows. But I also believe that manners give courage, right? So knowing what to do will help you to feel confident, will help you to leverage your personality. It's not about being someone you're not. It's about capitalizing on who you are. I believe that your example also can help other people to be their best selves, right? I don't particularly love when people swear or curse. And we we tell our kids not to do it, especially in public when there's other kids around or, you know, someone might have a young child around. It's it's just sort of not something that is really considerate. And I don't come out and tell people, please don't swear around me, but they just see that I don't do it. And I've had several times when a coworker or someone has been like, hey, hey, don't use that, that word around Devin. She doesn't talk like that. I think it allows you to sort of, to sort of elevate those around you as well. Who doesn't want to be the person who is 
like helping people to rise. I think that that's really neat. Absolutely. So definitely this is something that seems really old school. It seems like, oh, this is really old fashioned. Do you hear people kind of pushing back on some of these proper etiquette manners that they're like worried about that that's not socially acceptable anymore? Absolutely. So we have parents who come to us asking, you know, especially when it comes to girls and how these sort of social protocols apply to our young ladies. We get a lot of questions about that. And I think it's with good reason. This idea of, you know, an antiquated form of manners seems a little bit oppressive in a lot of ways. Um, You know, for example, in our program, we have the gentleman stand up and offer his hand to the young lady next to him and, and help her stand. She knows how to stand. We all know that she knows how to stand. But it's just a way for him to show her an extra kindness and extra respect. So when we talk about gentlemen holding a door for a young lady or pulling out her chair or standing when she leaves the table or the room, it's not in a way to indebt her to him. I think that's what people sort of subconsciously think is that if someone has done this kindness for me, then I am therefore indebted to them or I owe them something. Hmm. And that's not what it is at all. Someone who you know, is truly a gentleman or someone who truly has good manners will never expect something in return for their kindness. They're just going to be kind. And we tell our young ladies, you know, you can hold a door open for someone too. You can help someone with their coat too. You can give up your seat too. The other thing I think is really important to highlight is even, you know, with sort of the progress that's happening, especially right now around, around women, we are still held to a different standard than men, especially in the workplace. And so, you know, when a man is forceful, a woman seems irrational, right? Or when a man is yelling, a woman seems too emotional. And so knowing how to articulate your ideas in a way that actually encourages other people to listen to you can be incredibly important and actually allow you to be more successful. So even though it might not seem fair, it is a tool that you can use to overcome that inequity in the workplace. You know, I, I had a boss of mine and she was just amazing. She was in a meeting and actually someone who was, she was their superior, but he um, was from a different department and, and technically she was over him, but he didn't really work with her every day. So we didn't really have that relationship with her. And, you know, sort of got a little heated and out of line and disrespectful in a work conversation. And she, in a very calm and hushed tone, put him straight. And the wow. whole room went silent because everyone knew what just happened. Everyone knew that she just took him down. And she didn't have to yell to do it. And so because she didn't yell, it made that much more of an impact. Right. For the record, I don't think anyone should be yelling at someone else, you know, regardless of the environment. But, but in a workplace, uh, men tend to get away with that a little bit more than women do. And I think that they can take some cues from their female counterparts. But I think especially for our young ladies, there is no better time for them to leverage these manners and the etiquette lessons that they can. Right. There's no better time to really use these tools than now because it will absolutely help you get ahead. I have a hundred percent belief in that. I totally agree with you. And I've said this before, but I think there's great ways to articulate your feelings without elevating your voice or it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. You can get across anything you want, but sometimes people instantly get defensive just because of your tone. Absolutely. It's just how, it's how you present it. And you can say anything your heart desires, but you just need to do it in an appropriate way and mm-hmm. a way that someone won't instantly be defensive and be ready to attack back. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to this whole idea of respect and kindness, right? Like when you respect another person, just because they're another person, they have innate worth, they have innate value because they exist. Yes. When you remember that, you're more likely to be able to approach a conversation, even if it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know, winning or beating them or getting a point across for the sake of 
getting a point across. It's about actually trying to communicate. Such a great thing to remember. I love that. I love what you just talked about and everything you've talked about really just gives us like power and ammunition to be able to control our own social situations. And let's not ignore the reality of what is. Let's have tools and be able to combat and behave in ways that we know are correct. You know, we'll look back at experiences and hopefully not say, you know, I wish I would have behaved a little more maturely. When we have these tools, we're going to be able to know how to act and be able to practice ahead of time. I think that's so important, like practicing and trying it out for size before you get into a really high pressure situation. I think that's so perfect. Uh, One of my favorite things that I'm going to take away for sure, though, is it doesn't matter if you're using the right fork. It just matters if you're being kind. I think that's so powerful. And it's fun to learn some of these rules, though. I think it's really fun to learn, like, the proper table etiquette. It's fun to learn some of those. But the application is about kindness and being aware of others. And I think that that's everything. So, Devin, I don't know if you're aware, but in our interviews, we always ask our interviewees if they could give their teenage self one piece of advice what would it be so for me I was a really risk averse teenager in terms of I don't like risky situations and I think probably a lot of parents are okay with a teenager that's risk averse (laughs) but um in the sense that I didn't try for things if I was worried that I would fail at them actually being a mother and having a kid has helped me with failure (laughs) a ton because you fail all day long and your kids (laughs) still love you and when they fail especially as a baby they don't see it as an something that diminishes them, right? They, they try again and they don't care. The advice that I would give my younger self is to go for it, to try for things. And we hope that, you know, the skills we teach will give you the tools to do that, to be more confident in trying for things. But that's what I would tell myself is, is to go for it and to try and it's okay to fail and you fail upwards and you gain the experience that you need from it, but to at least try. Beautiful advice. I could have used that so badly when I was a teen. Will you tell us where our listeners can find you? Sure. Yeah, the best way they can find me is on Instagram. I have an Instagram account called Etiquette and Class because we teach etiquette classes, but we're also trying to help people to, you know, just be a classier person generally. Um, When I use the word classy, I think people sometimes think I'm talking about money and I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I think you can be a classy person regardless of your situation in life. And so, um, yeah, Etiquette and Class is where you can find us on Instagram. Awesome. Oh, Devin, this was so fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for asking me. That was so fun. Are you a slave to your phone? Cell phones are literally masters of distraction, and they can take your attention away from just about anything. If you want better tools to help you become the master of your device again, turn to better screen time. They have tons of free resources and research to back up their incredible courses. We have enrolled in their new online course, Creating a Tech Healthy Family. It comes with videos and discussions to have with your family, as well as so many printable tools that you can keep and use forever. The course has been so inspiring and incredibly doable. This is the perfect course for you because it is judgment-free and will help to walk you through designing your own tech-healthy family. We put a link in the show notes to give you access to one of our favorite free resources from Better Screen Time. 
It's a list of 100 totally screen-free activities for kids and teens. Check it out.